welcome to the Strange Brew Podcast. My name's Jason Barnard. That was Kate Bush, James and the Cold Gun, live at the Hammersmith Odeon from 1979. I've got the great pleasure of welcoming Brian Bath, guitarist for the uh, Katie Bush Band, back around that period. Uh, welcome, Brian. Oh, welcome, Jason, and all you listeners. <laughs> great stuff. Yeah, you worked with Kate before the kick inside, on and off until the Hounds of Love? That's right, that's correct, yeah. Yeah, yeah, lots of pieces. And we'll have time later in the show to talk about how you've revived the KT Bush band as well as your solo work. Oh, okay, yeah. Obviously, I've just been talking about James and the Cold Gun, but that was a song that you were playing with her in the pubs and clubs back in the late 70s? That's right, Jason. Yeah, we uh, we we uh, we uh, rehearsed it as a, just for a live, exciting number, and uh, we rehearsed it at Kate's parents' place in the barn. Uh, we call it the barn. It's a farm building, outbuilding, and uh, I think we rehearsed it in Greenwich Baths, and uh, it was like our top number in the in the set that we used to play at the, uh, uh, especially the Rose of Lee, because we had a residency there. You see. Mm. And uh, we used to have dry ice as well uh, that used to, you know, some light, some basic lighting that used to mm. fire away during this, this song, which was a... And Kate used to wear a, a kind of a white dress, I think, with a, and she had a kind of a toy gun or something like that. And uh, it used to get everyone excited, you know, it used to go down great. And uh, we, we had the... It was a fast rocking number, as you can hear. Uh, Vic had the idea of slowing it at the mm. end the drummer, Vic King, and uh, we just did a, a two-chord sequence that uh, went on for as long as we we, need, we we wanted to, really. We just had a great time with it, feedback and everything. Hmm. Yeah, very raw and basic, yeah. Right. I used to take the solo at the end, and a uh, uh, very long solo, and I remember that the, uh, when it was recorded, the, the Hammersmith one, which is the one I believe you've played, John Kelly come over to me, the sound engineer, because they had a mobile studio outside Hammersmith and they were recording the show. And he said, he said, there's a lot of noise coming from your guitar. You just, you, I said, oh, I said, what's that then? And um, it was this pedal I had, this um, flanger, MXR flanger. We both, I had one and Murphy had one. We both had the same, the same effects. There weren't a lot of effects in days, really. And it was just like massive noise hmm. and he said can you when you get to the solo can you not use that and i thought oh. i said oh okay because kate was with him I remember they were just going through the sound and i thought oh no that's my sound and um anyway i said oh okay and then but when we did the show and i got to the solo i just couldn't live without it so <laughs> i stomped on it and that's what you hear i'm afraid and it's there hmm. you know there's a few errors on there a few mistakes but uh, i was in I was offered the chance to patch a few bits up, but um, oh, yeah. I just thought I was just trying to be a purist, saying no, that's what I did, and that's the way it's got to be. You know, that's the way I did it. But um, I guess I should have repaired a few bits on it. That's what we used to do. You see, afterwards, uh, you could repair the tracks, uh, multi-tracks, mm, um, yeah. and um, I, I think I did repair a bit at the beginning because I um, I think the lead came out while I was playing. <laughs> And you can hear it, you did hear it go back in, you know, the jack plug, because uh, it was like, I don't know how it came, I was jumping about probably. Uh, so that was, there was a big chunk missing, which I believe I um, did actually repair that bit. I was even against that, isn't it funny? I loved the idea of the plug coming out and the noise, you know. 
more live. How did you, Del Palmer and Vic King, come into contact with Kate and ultimately form the band? Because I know that you were working together uh, prior to Kate. Yeah, we, we were kind of school buddies, really. Uh, um, I, I was in a band, uh, early band, uh, when I first started playing with a friend of mine at school. We were called Cobwebs and Strange. It was a song that John Inkless wrote for The Who. We decided to call the band that, or the band was called that. And uh, it all split up because we were only kids, young. And then uh, we fought, reformed again. I think the bass player left. There was a space. And I saw Del because he was my mate. And we used to go, you know, we used to work in the art room together at school. We were both keen artists. And uh, uh, we were in the school band together, uh, you know, the brass band for some time. Mm. <clears throat> we used to go on outings with that and watch all these guardsmen playing music in the open air. It was quite, quite something, really. Uh, anything to get out of mass, you know. <laughs> uh, hmm. And uh, we, I, I said, I said to him, Del, play if you play bass, you can get in the band. And he went, oh, okay. So he went and bought a bass, uh, and uh, was, I think his mum gave him the money. And I showed him how to play some twelve bars and give him a basic mapping of the neck and just keep it simple. Hmm. And he was in the band the following week. Uh, and then we played for some time. That's how we met. And I met Vic uh, in the playground at school. I think I first met him in the second year. That was the old, I don't know what year that is now. They've got different names for these things now. Uh, secondary school. and uh, But I knew Del from primary school. And uh, Vic told me he played drums and uh, just decided to, um, just to get, get our own band together. And this was around the time of Led Zeppelin 1. Oh, yeah. The first album, my brother bought that. It was just a sensational album. It was great, you know. Mm. So um, they, were, they were kind of the influences we were looking at at the time because the only the only work you could get, really, was playing in a kind of covers band at the time, you know. Mm. Mm. So we were looking at um, doing something of our own. I was writing songs. I was always writing songs. So we did a few of my songs and uh, uh, some of the... Um, a couple of Zeppelin ones, you know, hmm. played for hours and hours. That's how we formed that. So when Kate was looking for uh, uh, to do some gigs, so I've got a different story to Vic. Uh, probably Dell's got another story as well. It's all different. Hmm. Uh, I thought, well, let's get the, the school band back together because we we've done quite a lot of gigs on kind of the school circuit. Really, we did lots of school dances and and we had a few residents. We played at the Shakespeare Hotel in. We had a residency there in Woolwich, which was where the uh, Fleetwood Mac played there in 1968, I think it was, with the original lineup, Peter Green and Danny Kerwin. How did you get actually in contact with Kate? Because obviously there's a bit of an age difference. Well, I, I used to hang out with uh, Paddy, uh, uh, Kate's brother. Uh, you know, met him at a party. Uh, right. And we used to, I used to go over there and we used to jam on the, um, you know, the weekends, really. We used to have kind of all night jam sessions and uh that's how i met kate because she popped in once because she didn't want to she was avoiding the violin lesson i think that was the first time i see her she said paddy paddy can you hide me you know, so she hid behind the sofa to uh avoid the violin lesson and um, we just kept no we haven't seen kate no mum was looking for her they were calling out for her and uh that's how i first met kate really sometime later um I was invited because I used to go a lot and uh, I, I found myself in a room one day at the back there, this room at the back of the, the farmhouse uh, uh, with a piano and I was invited over there. I can't remember who invited me, probably 
of dad, a father, Tarbush, I think, maybe a mum. Uh, and uh, I took a guitar over there, and it was an amplifier there already. Just listened to Kate and sat with her near the piano or the other side of the room and tried to play along with her, but her, her music was amazing, was startling, you know, it was incredible. Uh, and I couldn't keep really up with it. I've got some idea. I was just looking at the piano. I've never come across this kind of music, you know. I thought, oh, I can't really do much, really, but, you know, we had a little bit of a play. I was there for some hours, and uh, I think I just saved it for a rainy day. I thought I'd come back to this at some stage, and uh, hmm. I believe Kate gave me a cassette that I took away. I still got the uh, I still got the cassette actually. Well, I've got the case, the cassette. Someone's uh, I've either lost it or someone's removed it of um, loads of the songs, you know, hmm. songs that have never been released are on there as well. You know, well, were on there. Um, that we because we, we recorded quite a lot of demoed quite a lot of songs eventually, but um, things there was a song a song called Feeling of the Old Home, but that was really nice. Living is losing. There's loads of titles that uh, maybe they're on demo albums or something. I don't know. Our next song is uh, another uh, track from the live uh, release. This song is Them Heavy People. You talked about her, but Kate's piano demos. I guess. With you, Vic and Dell, you helped to shape her sound in those early years because obviously I'm assuming the original demos were sort of predominantly piano based. Yeah, yeah, the original demos were uh, piano. Yeah, just so Kate singing into a tape machine. Her dad had a sound on sound machine that uh, a great machine that that uh, played in reverse as well. <laughs> which was great. This reel-to-reel machine used to play backwards as well. So Kate used to practice singing in reverse, which was <laughs> quite a stunning thing to do at the time. <laughs> that was just so weird. It was great. Hmm. I mean, it was really basic. When we were in the Katie the Bush band, and when we were doing the uh, mainly the Rosalie, I believe, because uh, all this is a long time ago. Kate, I had what I, what I term as a plastic piano, you know, one of those little plastic pianos that people had the portable ones, the early ones. I can't remember which make it was, you know. And uh, it was pretty basic, and uh, they never sounded that good, those early electric uh, plastic pianos. Well, there were some really good um, electric pianos, but she didn't have one of those. It was just a very basic one. Uh, I think Paddy maybe got up and played a bit of mandolin, but again, he didn't have a pickup. Although maybe he used my, uh, I had a mandolin that had a pickup on it. He, he did. We did swap mandolins for about ten years. I had a mandolin of his, and he had my electric one. Uh, maybe he used that. Um, and uh, we we did have a go at doing some of those, uh, uh, particularly at the Rose of Lee. And uh, I remember the record company turned up, so maybe that was when we were putting everything forward doing those. So we, we did actually start to uh, work on those songs. Uh, I mean, James was obviously the big number we did, and uh, we did a few of those. But, uh, um, of course, Them Heavy People was a really popular live number. I suppose we gave it a kind of a grounding, maybe. Um, we had different lineups, and we, we were... Uh, it, it was the, the first TV appearance, I believe, Kate did, Uh that I was the, I was doing I did it as well in Germany it was a show called Beers Barnoff which was a big Saturday night TV show. Hmm. Uh, we did, oh no we did kite on that excuse me we did kite on that show we did, they played one number and Kate mined to Wuthering Heights on her own we were played on the back of a train <laughs> in the studio we wheeled on in this train train hmm. uh, flat flat you know flatbed train carriage type of thing 
but uh, we did do the live on Pebble Mill. You can hear it. It just sounds like a really basic demo. Uh, Revolver show. We did uh, Peter Cook compared, the TV show compared. Yeah. So that heavy people was performed there. And it, it was just, it just seemed to be the number that everyone wanted to hear. You know, or Kate, it was one of Kate's favourites, I believe, because the lyrics are just great. They're so interesting. Uh, it's got uh, a great bunch of lyrics in there.
I heard that there's a there was a bit of a tension in that Kate wanted you guys to to play on what became her debut album, but the record company insisted on on getting session guys. Oh, the kick inside. Well, we had some of them, but it was. Uh, I don't recall that that well. Um, I remember we 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 did some of these songs live. We did actually do some demos. We did do James. We did record James. So that was a around, and we did. Oh, the Dear Dead Days, a song that's never popped up, never reared its head. Um, and uh, we think maybe we did Heavy People, the Wolf Studios in uh, Regent Street, I believe. That was before the kicking side had started. That was in, I think it was August 77. Uh, and, uh, yeah. well, as far as I know, we weren't invited into the studio. I think it was all pre-worked out because, as you know, do you know that um, saxophone... Right song was uh, recorded with a different band, wasn't it? I think they were called Unicorn. Oh, okay. It was, yeah, that was... Uh, uh, one of Dave Gilmore's yeah. uh, band, I think. And, uh, of course, The Man with the Child in Eyes, which was like the most incredible song of, of ever. Uh, it's just brilliant. I mean, it, people, I don't know whether people realise, but it was live. It was actually recorded live in the studio with an orchestra. Gosh. Kate singing live, playing the piano. It's just a masterpiece. Absolutely the first time I heard it, Dad played it to me, and my, you know, I was just, I was just knocked out. I couldn't believe it, it was something so great. It was like, it was like up there with the Ellen the Rigbys and things, you know. For me, it was just wonderful, you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we we um, we did a, a bit of work, but that album was done because we knew, I knew, I'm sure we all knew that uh, we were only going to temporarily, you know, we had about three months or so to. Get Kate, get get her out there uh, doing some gigs. You know, it was all good fun, uh, hard work. I had a recording, I had a publishing deal at the time, I believe. But uh, so we were all doing bits and pieces. When the album was finished, we, we kind of reformed the band really, uh, because there was no guarantee that the, uh, the you know the single was going to take off, it became Wyvern Heights, or that. Uh, the album was going to be successful. No one knew really, mm. so we we reformed the kind. Of, we formed another band. Like it was kind of basically the Katie Bush band, but with uh, a different drummer <laughs> or drummers. We had several. We were auditioning. We auditioned loads and loads of drummers and keyboard players. And we spent ages doing that. Um, we, we we ended up getting this band together, and we did a we did a gig at the White Elephant along. Um, it was a big high class restaurant along uh, the embankment that EMI put on and all the executives from all over the world from EMI quarters they all turned up and there was this huge there was this show that we did they loved it they loved it it went down really well but all of a sudden as you very well may know when Wuthering Heights arrived uh, on the radio uh, everything completely changed because we were going to tour the idea was to tour do gigs to promote the album and kate so it all the whole scene changed really because all of a sudden it was uh, kate was just asked to do this and that and uh we sometimes we tagged along it was a bit like that really yeah moving on to lionheart uh you and you and dell did actually play on uh wow yeah that's right yeah we played on wow we managed to that was about the only one we saved as the uh the kind of unit that did all the demos at the farm because we built the studio. So we played, I um, managed to get, they saved the, the stuff I did on WoW, you know. I, I did play on Kashka as well, but they didn't keep my thing, with some bits and pieces. 
Uh, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, that was the first just kind of thing I first real hit I think I I ever played on. It was great to be able to do that. You know, hear yourself coming out the radio. What is this? You know, this is it. This is great. <laughs> Where was it recorded? Because I know some of the album was recorded in, was it in France? Some of it. Yeah. Uh, up in the mountains, uh, just up from Nice. Yeah. Uh, Super Bear Studios, they were called. Yeah. Yeah, a wonderful place. You know, it had a, like, a swimming pool and uh, just a, all the, the, the studio was in the basement. The studio was uh, t- freezing because Andrew Powell, the producer, loved to work with the... Uh, temperature extremely low it was like walking into a deep freezer and then when you come out of the studio it was like blistering hot everywhere else and uh I, we recorded quite a lot of tracks that we'd routined because uh, he heard us uh playing them at the farm and kate really wanted us to play on them myself Dell, and uh, charlie morgan and of course paddy and so that's how we started off the uh the uh, recording uh session mm. Well, eventually kind of held its own in the final choices of masters to go with the album. Um, strings were added, you know, and I think Ian Benson put other guitars on there as well. Uh, I tried several things, but uh, I think it just, just the acoustic remained that I played.
next track is Wolverine Heights, which is also from the live at the Hammersmith Odeon show. Can you tell us about the live shows in that period? And, and obviously you were integral to that band. Well, the uh, the band, we, we rehearsed for for weeks. I think it was six weeks we rehearsed. Uh, every day, you know, in, uh, I think weekday, every day in the week, we rehearsed at Woodwolf Studios in uh, in Greenwich by the river. And there was a great view because you had this big glass window. It was a fabulous place. Billy Jenkins, uh, the guitarist who played in burlesque, solo guitar, a great musician, friend of mine, he, he ran run the studio that uh, the the boss owned it used to you could hear him going up he used to fly around on an airplane above you could hear him sometimes coming over uh the guy around the place but we rehearsed there from loads you know loads of times and kate didn't make all the rehearsals all the time uh, so i used to kind of conduct it in a way maybe singing the songs we didn't have the backing vocals the girls weren't there glynis and um Oh, God, I've got the name. Isn't it terrible? I've got... Is it Liz? Liz, that's it, Liz. Yeah, who sadly has passed away, I heard. Gosh. Uh, anyway, we rehearsed there, and, and we had to work out which songs were going to work in which way. And uh, we couldn't do all the songs, because Kate had two albums uh, by then. We did our best to do every single track, really. But And there was lots of uh, incidental music and yeah. uh, dialogue that her brother John Jay did which was blasting over the PA in between songs. It was brilliant. You know, her brother, J- John, was in a uh, in a light, I think they were called. It was a uh, poetry group, and uh, they used to do kind of gigs. And we used to have a screen, and myself and Paddy would, would be jamming and making music up while they were in between or while they were talking. Mm. So we were kind of used to this kind of idea, you know, this kind of Stockhausen thing, you know, making noises you know, in the background. Uh, bashing things and uh, you know sound effects and things. <laughs> when we took the uh, the rehearsals from there, we from Woodwolf, we went to uh, the Who's place, which was uh, Shepperton Studios. They had a big kind of sound stage. So then the, that was the first time we saw uh, Stuart and Gary, the dancers, and then Glynis and Liz turned up. Uh, so we had the full complement there. Hmm. Uh, rehearsing the live show and they had big mirrors that they brought in uh, so we could see what we were doing and the dancers could see us and uh, everyone knew what was going on. You know. uh, there, there was the, the, the Wuthering Heights. We were doing Wuthering Heights and I was supposed to be doing the solo. I was doing the solo in James. I was doing the solo in Wuthering Heights and it, they were like the big, big numbers really, I guess. And I remember Kate coming up once because all the time we were rehearsing, I hadn't actually played this. When it got to the solo, I thought, oh, I'll do it. I'll do it next time or time after or so. And I never actually really played the solo, although I did it on some TV shows when we had, we had to, hmm. you, you had to play live or you had to, you know, uh, Kate had to mime to play back. We had, you had to, it was the rule that you had to re-record everything. So I, I kind of learnt solo, almost note for note. But uh, I remember Kate coming over to me at uh, one of these uh, rehearsals, at the, the late rehearsals at the show. She said, you know, Alan hasn't got solo. You know, Alan Murphy, great guitar player, I mean, brilliant, one of the best, and uh, electric guitar player. She said, well, I think maybe we should give ours. I said, yeah, I was thinking that. That's a good idea. I think there's, you know, although I'd like to be the big me doing all the solos, but... Uh, she said, well, 
There's two main ones. There's like James and there's um, Wuthering Heights. Which one would you like to do? And maybe let Al have the other one. I said, yeah, okay. And I thought, mm, I think I'll stick with James. I'll do James. So Al was awarded the uh, solos in uh, Wuthering Heights. And you can hear his uh, output on those uh, Hammersmith recordings. They're amazing. You know? uh, I, was, I, I was using the uh, Evasion at... Adam Adamus 12 string, Adamus, I don't know how you pronounce it, A-D-A-M-A-S. And uh, Ibanez loans some mandolins, two electric mandolins that myself and Paddy used. And uh, the, the Adamus was passed around the band during the tour because not only was I a guitar player, Kevin on the keyboards, Kevin McClay, he could play anything. He was, he was a guitar player. He played the acoustic and it... it, it and uh, even Ben, Ben Barson, the other player, uh, would play some acoustic. So mm. when I finish with it, it would go on the stand or I'd pass it to the roadie and he'd nip through the, around the back of the stage and uh, plant it next to the next player, <laughs> which is a, a great thing because you always had a big sound. Because uh, mm. James was before Weber Nights. And the amount of energy that went into that was just ridiculous. It was brilliant. You know, it was so good. And... Uh, by the time we got to uh, Wuthering Heights, she'd fall off the stage and, uh, you know, go off, up the ramp and over the back. And then uh, uh, they'd revive her over there, you know, throw water at her or something. And uh, uh, she'd come back on and uh, start performing Wuthering. And I'd think, God, oh, you're okay. She walked by. <laughs> uh, but she had, you know, she had all this energy. Amazing. Brilliant. <laughs>
the next studio album by Kate was uh, Never Forever, and that was an album that increasingly marked her, her role in kind of on the production side. And I'm assuming that was that was why you were more heavily involved on that, and Dell was. Yeah, that well, that was basically the tour band, really. Uh, I like to think that that has been the tour band album, right? Because it was kind of a, a stable lineup. That's what I've always liked about bands. If you have a stable kind of lineup, you get really great feeling and work done. I think. Now, how would you approach playing a, a track like Babushka, which is it's very different to uh, conventional rock songs? Well, yeah, Kate's songs are really. I mean, there's a Kate has this way of playing this. Sometimes it's kind of barroom piano. You know, it's kind of a western sort of like swing piano, I can't explain it really, which you can hear sometimes at the back of Babushka, there's this, uh, there's this kind of vamping piano going along. You know? uh, so you, you have to be very sparse with other instruments. Yeah, you have to take your moments when you're going to put uh, instruments in and what they're going to do. Uh, like Babushka, the, the bass was a, was a real problem. There was... Uh, struggling with the bass. I, I believe Dulce began the bass on Babushka. So we kind of had Del, uh, myself, and playing a guitar. I think maybe Alan Murphy was there, I'm not sure. Max Middleton by this time had come in. So I'd say that the band, it was the kind of the tour band, but mm. really there was still a kind of a core there. But uh, there were other musicians coming, like Max Middleton joined, and he, everyone, oh, Max is great. He was a little bit older than everyone. And he was like a, a kind of a father figure to us all, really. He was such an amiable chap and brilliant musician, pianist. Uh, and he had a um, Fender Rhodes, so that was integral to that sound. You know, the, the uh, Rhodes, which you can hear on breathing as well, Max's input. And we had the problems with the drums as well, you see. So there was loads of drummers used. There was... I mean, I often say there were 12 bass players on Babushka before the the, the, the final one was, was uh, hmm. found. Uh, it probably wasn't that many. It seemed like it. So the session would kind of grind, grind to a halt sometimes because you're waiting for the next musician to turn up, you know, the session guy. Uh, and then finally, John Giblin arrived. The song just uh, took on a new life. And then when Stuart Elliott, arrived the drummer he was perfect because yeah. he's a very orchestrated drummer uh in my mind and he just plays all these little tinkly bits that very few drummers would consider you know and uh they're just really inspiring for you you, you get a hit off them when you're playing you think oh that's there you know it's just the placement of things you see uh which does help for the um stereo image or whatever but uh you got this like flying bass going through it this fretless this kind of chorusy thing it was just it was just it was just wonderful it was like a, a plant growing out of the ground it was just wonderful to be there with it doing it you know i think it shows on the final song as well that, that that's kind of an organic uh sound Couldn't have me 
through the album really and breathing as well as as a similar similar kind of thing because john giblin was that as well you see doing breathing as well with max doing these funny little notes that finally started working i've heard that roy harper was on backing vocals did you see roy when he came in to do that oh yeah yeah we were all in the same same studios kate had this backing line and um what are we going to do without breathing Myself, Roy and Paddy were Kate routined it with, with us. Uh, we did it in Studio Two. Everything was, you know, Beatles Studio Two of Abbey Road. That's where the whole album was made. You know, where God lived. You know, <laughs> Abbey Road. <laughs> and uh, we were in there. And the Roy was—he's uh, a really funny man, very funny. And uh, we, we we did the vocals, but Roy was so loud that it was like he was going to break the microphone because his voice. We we ended up putting him in the corner of the studio uh and he was singing from the you know myself and paddy were near the mic and roy was about i don't know about 30 feet away 20 25 meters or whatever it is you know 20 meters i don't know what 30 foot i don't know 
but he was right in the corner of the room, you know. <laughs> Uh, and uh, we we triple tracked it. I can't remember. We may have even done it six times. We were we were just had masses of voices on there, and the the, the video of that, uh, which Roy came along. I think I had a, used the Les Paul on uh, breathing. That there's a guitar riff at the end that myself and Murphy were playing. We doubled up and we we had a bit of fun doing that because we had a couple. We had a boogies then. Um, I, well, Murphy had a boogie. I had bought myself a boogie from uh, Shepperton. M&L, I think they imported it, and America, famous amps. And uh, we we stood on top of the amps. We were having a laugh uh, while we were recording it. We had them, like, full out, blasting away. And then when that was all done and uh, it was released, Kate did that just outrageous video. It was great. And and then we, we did the bit in the lake uh, where we all went under the water and held hands. I mean, I couldn't swim. I don't know why I did it, but... Uh, uh, it was that was in Black Park in Buckinghamshire where they did all the Hammer Horror films, Pinewood Film Studios. They used that, and it was just Kate's vision of nuclear goings on. I guess we had fallout suits on and we had wetsuits underneath.
Another single off Never Forever was Army Dreamers. That's kind of a, a waltz, at, as well as guitar. You you were on backing vocals on that. Yeah, we did that in uh, again in studio too. I think we were just about going home, and Kate said, "Fancy ever going at Army Dreamers?" And I I worked it on acoustic, and I thought, "Oh yeah, yeah, that'd be great." And uh, yeah, let's have a go. So we, a few of us gathered round, and we just it was really casual. There was only I don't know, there was only three of us four of us in the studio myself paddy had this mandolin part great little mandolin part preston had a borum an irish drum and uh kate just sat there singing it and uh, they recorded it. i think they switched the tape on and uh i think we had it w- within the hour mm. we got the whole thing it was it was just so great because we opposed to uh breathing it took and uh, Babushka, they took days and days. We were doing it day and night. We just went on forever. You did no sleep. You know, you seemed to go home. But it was just like one continuous session, really. Because you'd play through these songs. But uh, yeah, and Army Dreamers, we did the broken vocals afterwards. And uh, the video was done. Again, that was done in Black Park, but obviously not in the lake. <laughs> and that was the one where Kate uh, uh, gets blown up and so does Murphy. You get blown up. They had this kind of bungee rope that was strap I, would, I wanted to have a go but it wasn't time uh bungee rope strapped round you under a jacket hmm. and as the uh, explosive went off the explosive charge they had this big like machine thing that would spring you through the air <laughs> they must use it day all day long in films we, we, it was all rehearsed so all the uh, movements and everything it was all rehearsed at the farm you know we had all the gear the, the army stuff on hmm. it was like rehearsing a dance routine really Mm-hmm. Privates, Bath Bush, and Eggs, and Captain Andrew Bryant. He was here. He was a Kate's out uh, my um, uh, guitar tech at the time, and uh, Kate's eventual um, chauffeur, old friend of Paddy's, Andrew. Yeah, he was a captain, tall man in it, tall guy. Yeah. Bunch of purple flowers to decorate to 
So next we have pull out the pin from the dreaming. Um, I, I guess in that period, I mean, that was a, a, a time when Kate was really experimenting in the studio. Her work with the Fairlight synthesizer really sort of came on board. Yeah, I actually got a guitar solo in there, but my parts really came out from me moaning about having to solo as a one-off. Uh, when I'd heard certain players' solos were a composite of many passes on the machines, you know, the tape machine because we were still using tape then, and the best bits were cross-faded into one terrific bunch of phrases. Anyway, I'd, I'd more or less done my parts in one go, although I might have taken 28 passes to get the correct feel or anything on anything. But anyway, uh, Kate invited me to this session, and um, I, I knew the, the, the basic run of the song when she was uh, putting the lyrics together of this pull-out-the-pin, this... Uh, kind of Vietnam, uh, kind of, there was all these wars still going on at the time. Uh, and uh, I just, I was trying to mimic the helicopter type sound, you know, that you get on those uh, chin up type things. I was trying to get that on the guitar, you know, that kind of thing. And um, uh, Vietnam Chopper, that's what I was trying to get. Uh, I think it come across okay, that. I think it was pretty good. But the solo was based around a uh, kind of a Jimmy Bryant lick. And uh, it was like a uh, the wall of diminished 
a bunch of licks just spaced out the whole track. Kate loved it. So uh, they put it in echo. We put it in echo and um, uh, with a little bit of sustain. And um, we've done Danny Thompson's incredible bass and uh, Dave Gilmore's um, uh, in front of the beat at times, BVs. They were great. There's that voice Dave's got, isn't he? Wonderful voice. Kind of whispery. Kate on piano. Kate on the piano, yeah. And that boing bass. <laughs> boing, boing. <laughs> great it's just a really strange kind of song isn't it
And now we move towards Hounds of Love um, and the song Hello Earth. What were you doing in the early 80s? And was yeah, it... I was uh, well, I was working on my own music and songs. Uh, I don't know, I was just doing a few gigs here and there. Uh, things kind of just um, uh, would kind of, I don't know, I can't... I used to go to the farm a lot because um, I used to demo a lot of my songs over there. So I was always doing some sessions over there. I was almost kind of winding down in a way. It's really strange. I think after the tour, I don't think anyone ever recovered from the tour. Mm. Um, and uh, you wonder whether you're going to be playing on the, the next album or not. It wasn't. It was mm. such a sparse gap. And initially, all the singles were great. You see, because it was just uh, that's when the singles were a great market, weren't they? But um, we, uh, you know, I was working with a lot of writers that were uh, as well that weren't as successful like myself really on the writing side really i couldn't get anything going i was doing a pushing for that and then uh i was kind of kate sort of sponsored me for a couple of years to write my own songs uh with a friend of mine ivan he was writing songs and uh we just couldn't get a deal and um eventually we we just floated out of that and uh did our own thing even more <laughs> still struggling to do it and eventually I just uh, thought, uh, I said to Kate, when's the next tour, Kate? You know, I was waiting for the next tour because I thought we should have just gone on forever. And she said, oh, uh, three years? And I thought, oh, yeah, okay, great, okay. Uh, I, I said, well, I'm going to go to art college then. So <laughs> I went to art, you know, art school. And um, some years later I said, you know, I, 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 that was it really. There was no, no more, you know. And uh, I just got out of the whole thing, really. But Hounds of Love, that was the, the last album that you featured on? Yes, I believe so, yeah. Uh, I, 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 you know, I was routining the songs with Kate because every time a new album started, Kate would say, Brian, you know, she phoned me up, Brian, fancy doing some, you know, rehearsing and stuff. And I go, oh, great, yeah, you know, so I get the guitar and we all go over. I think the Hounds of Love album, I just, I can bear, I can just about remember myself, I think it was Preston maybe, or, or a drummer, and Kate on a piano. And that's how it's kind of started, you know, in a, over in Eltham. She had a house over in Eltham, and uh, there was one room that was really big, like a dance studio. Uh, but uh, Kate on Hello Earth, she asked me to put these huge chords on it. When I got to the studio as well, there was, uh, it just had the bare bones of the song. Kate's vocal was like really quiet. I could hardly hear anything. It was, I just didn't know where, where, there was no kind of reference point really. It was hard, you know, to negotiate the track because I like to work with a vocal really. This is for me is the thing about Kate's songs. Uh, you can hear the song and the melody and then you can work with that. But this just, just was, just it just seemed like it was uh, being made up as we went along. Uh, which was interesting, but uh, it was nerve-wracking, you know, because uh, you had to perform on something that you didn't know was there. It was a bit David Bowie-like, you know. I've, uh, I think I've read about Robert Fripp saying something like this, you know. You just go along and say, what do you want me to play? Oh, just play anything. It's a bit avant-garde, you know. Just one hand 
so our penultimate track, Brian, is uh, Don't Forget from Peck and Boys. Yeah. That's a solo album um, that you did a couple of years ago. Can you tell me about that album? I think, lyrically, that's a song that harks back to your childhood. Is that correct? They all do, really. They all go back to my childhood, which was obviously the majority of it was in Peckham, uh, early childhood. Uh, Peckham Boys was, uh, we had the Katie Bush band, you see, when we first began this, this idea, this project, going back to the old days kind of thing, but doing Kate singles as well, and just songs that we really liked. Uh, we were doing, we started the thing off with, um, we got the singer, it took us ages to find the first singer, and we got, we, we finally got Jodie May, who's an amazing girl, a vocalist. She's, she's an absolutely lovely person. We did a few gigs and it just was so slow in taking off. And then we had a few problems with a band member. Uh, and then the whole thing kind of stopped. And then I think she re- wanted to have a, uh, a child with her husband, Andy. Andy's great. Andy Platt. He's a great musician, Andy. And uh, they, she kind of dropped off. She did one last gig for us. She was pregnant, uh, heavily pregnant. And we said, look, if you need to stop, we'll stop or we'll carry on. So we tried to cover bits for her. And I was singing a couple of Kate songs as well to get through the night. So it wasn't too heavy for her. And uh, she finally left. And it took us another year to find another singer. But in the, in the, in the break, if you like, Vic said, oh, I like that Peckham Boys thing. I demoed a whole album. I spent ages doing the demos for this. Uh, uh, I just My brother wrote a, wrote a short story, my brother John, eldest brother, uh, and uh, it was about the Peckham. And he, one of the things was from the rooftops of Peckham, and it just inspired me. I thought, what a great line. And I started writing a song about Peckham, uh, and then I put a load of I just had all these ideas from childhood started remembering things by this time we'd, we'd been using um, Emily had come on board because it took us ages to find another keyboard player as well so we were back to a three piece again no vocalist uh, myself Vic and Steve Bevan the the, uh, the brilliant Steve Bevan great bass player I mean, he's, he's a terrific musician um, uh, we, we stuck it out and we still rehearsed at Cosmic where the where we do we base the band uh, in Epping Cosmic Audio, and uh, I had just sort of got the money up to make an album. I thought this is it. We're going to go and do it. So we got, um, uh, and it also helped to keep the KT band together. And we got Emily involved. Emily loved the idea of doing it, and uh, uh, I took the uh, demos to Emily's bloke he was he's a Hatton garden man he's a jewelry man i think diamonds <laughs> are a girl's best friend and he said she'll love this anyway we we routine that we did the the, the peckham album at the cosmic which i kind of financed you know I, I sort of got some money from here and there uh brother-in-law loaned me some money anyway we put this uh album together uh, and it kept the band going. And then, of course, we found uh, Sally Ann eventually. But, but the Peckham Boys is um, the album that came out of it. Yeah, the song Don't Forget. Don't yeah. Forget. Well, it goes like this. It goes... Don't forget the cartoons On North Museum Battles You know, that kind of thing, yeah? Mm, <laughs> uh, and... Uh, 
it's got various um, loads of little things in it. Uh, that one, one was played with a cap on the third fret. You know, we used to when we were kids, a friend of ours who used to live along the balcony. We used to live four four floors up, eight flights, as one of the songs mentions. And uh, when his dad had an old film projector, a nine point five projector, it had the perforation in the middle. John Murphy, one of our mates there, he said, "My dad's got got the uh, projector out. Come on, come in. We go into his place." And we'd all lie on the floor, and and his dad would get the projector going and show the cartoons on the ceiling, and he'd run them backwards. You know, we'd see them forwards, and then he'd run them backwards instead of rewinding the film. And don't forget. Cartoons on Murphy's ceiling backwards. His dad kept us in stitches. That lively Greek wedding and my first live band. Voxel Crystal with a 45 single player. We've done an album with the KT band. I think you were going to come to this. It's uh, and there's a song on there called Dream Island. Yes, absolutely. Um, is is that one of your own tracks? Yeah, I wrote that back in about 1974. We recorded it with a band called Conkers back in the day. That was myself. There's this kind of connection that goes through almost. There's uh, myself. Del was played bass. Charlie Morgan was on drums because he was our drummer then. Uh, Mm. Uh, Charlie, who plays on Wow and various other Kate things, and he's in some couple of videos. Running up the hill, he's in that video. The tall man on the right, tall chap. He told us he was 21. We were looking for a drummer because our other guy had, had a terrible motorbike accident. It was awful for him. 
Uh, he lost the use of his arm. But he did become a professional musician, Lionel Ashley. But we had to get a new drummer. And uh, Charlie was the first man, <laughs> guy who turned up. Barry said he's the one. Barry Shirk said he's the one because he went to the Hyatt instead of bashing away all over the place. He told us he was 21, but he was actually about 18, I think, mm. <laughs> to get into the band. Uh, Charlie went on to play with Elton John. He toured with him for 13 years or something. Uh, we're doing um, uh, Dream Island Live with the original band with Jody uh, singing along with us. We decided to re re-record this one because it was quite fun playing it live, and there was a few new ideas come up on it. And so we recorded this at uh, Cosmic Studios uh, for this new album that, that Cosmic had financed for us, which is fabulous. Uh, we've got this album, it's about, I think it's subtitled Wow. We've got our versions of Kate's songs. I think we do, uh, you know, quite justice to them. It's and I feel comfortable doing my songs with the band, you know, the KT Bush band. It's really nice. You know, we only do a few at the gig, but it gives you a flavour of, um, you know, what the other kind of opportunities that may have been there, you know, at the time. Because Kate used to sing Dream Island with us at the Rose of Lee. You know, we used to do that. Before we uh, press play on uh, Dream Island... I assume uh, the KT Bush Band will be touring, and, and obviously you, you also have got a website where people can find out more about Peckham Boys. Yes, yes, I have actually. I've got a website. The KT Bush Band's uh, alive and kicking. Um, my website's brianbath.com. But the KT Bush Band, yeah, we've, we're in Cardiff on the Friday, September the 27th hmm. at the Acapella Studios. But so we then we're going up. We've got a bus to take us up to Edinburgh on the November the fifteenth, Friday, November the fifteenth. We're at Summer Hall in Edinburgh, and then on the Saturday, if you can get there, we're November the sixteenth, the Exchange, uh, North Shields in Newcastle, and then on the Sunday we're at Stockton on Tees at the uh, the seventeenth of November. This is uh, Georgian Theatre. Stockton on Tees, and then there's a bit of a break, and then the 28th, we're at, at November, we're at the Hall in Crawley. And if you want a Christmas present, you can go to the uh, Saturday, December the 14th at the Southern Maltings in Hartford, uh, where we'll be doing songs like December, Will Be Magic and Peter Pan. You can hear those songs from Kate's. Looking forward to playing them. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you, Brian, and, and hear an insight into into, into your world, in, into Kate's world, and also what what you're doing now, and and, and the thread that's gone Thank you. across the last forty years or so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's quite a lot, isn't it? Quite a lot of things. It's been lovely talking to you. It's been a pleasure. Take care. All the best. All right. Bye. You too. Bye. Thanks, Brian. Bye.
Thank you for listening to the Strange Brew Podcast. If you do like the show, please consider a small donation to help keep the show archive online. It's been almost 10 years since I started the podcast and hosting fees are increasing over time. All your support keeps the show running and helps me get amazing guests. To support me, just go to thestrangebrew.co.uk where you'll see a donate button on the homepage. Thank you very much. Plus, any reviews on your podcast services help to spread the word too. Thank you.